0: This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hi, I'm Hanif Baharuddin, and you're listening to Night School, the show that explores ideas and themes in the social sciences and the humanities. I'm joined by Simon Soon and our guest of the week, Khalida Taleb. Welcome, Khalida. Hi, welcome, Khalida. Thank yeah. you. Yes, yeah, so before we start, maybe you can just introduce yourself first and you know what you'll be discussing with us today. Okay,
1: so my name is Khalida Taleb. And I'm currently working in a financial turnaround consultancy, Mm -hmm. but my background is a bit um, disconnected from what I currently do, because I used to be a history student. Mm -hmm. I read history in university, and I will be pursuing a master's in related fields. Mm -hmm. And my goal is to actually be involved in the heritage scene in Malaysia. I mean, I call it heritage scene, Mm -hmm. but what I really mean is, of course, the heritage sector. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I actually want to start thinking about making good policies to reinvigorate heritage in Malaysia and to make it a real force of education. Mm -hmm. Because I think that what often gets ignored is that, in Malaysia especially, is that heritage institutions are educational institutions. And they are very powerful educational institutions because they are not bounded by the needs of the education syllabus mm. and all the political discourse that comes with right. it. So that's one thing I would like to work towards mm. in the long term. Mm. And in fact,
2: that's how we actually sort of like hit it off, like get started talking to you principally around this idea of what is the value of a heritage, right? Mm-hmm, and how yes. we can sort of like think of ways to build bridges mm-hmm. uh, and allow for new sort of like ideas to sort of like grow within the sector. Um, but can you sort of like tell us maybe give us a bit of context like uh, specific context what do you mean by sort of like heritage it translates very easily to the word warisan, oh, yes. uh, mm-hmm. uh, in, in the Malay language mm-hmm. uh, but also this translation is not always that clear cut right I mm-hmm. mean it carries with it certain sort of like baggages how has it sort of like you know developed in the Malaysian sort of context and in terms of its governmental sort of like structure where does it sit within the government uh, who gets to hold on to this portfolio
1: okay So you're right, I've actually used heritage quite loosely. But what I mean is institutions of heritage, institutions that claim to carry our heritage mm-hmm. and project our heritage and make statements about who we are. So I'm talking about museums mm-hmm. and I'm also talking about places like libraries and archives. Mm-hmm. And, um, and
2: there's JKKN, I guess. Uh, Jabatan, oh, so we, there's Jabatan Warisan Negara. Mm-hmm, yes. And then there's JKKN, which is Jabatan yes, uh, Kebudayaan Ke Ke Budaya. Ke and, 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 and then, yeah, okay. okay.
1: So if we're talking about museums, it's definitely under Jabatan Museum Malaysia. Right. I think projects related to heritage would be under Jabatan Warisan and okay. probably Jabatan Kebudayaan and Kesenian as well. I'm not sure mm-hmm. if I've gotten the yeah. other I mixed think, up. I uh,
2: think Kebudayaan tends to focus more on performing arts mm-hmm. while uh, Warisan tends to focus on sites, mm-hmm. heritage sites, mm-hmm. uh, the, yeah. the management and the custodianship yeah. of the heritage sites, if yeah. I'm not wrong.
1: Whereas Jabata Museum is definitely focused on the operations of not all museums. Yeah, apparently,
2: not all museums. Yeah, not all museums. 11 to 13 museums. Only. I can't remember right, the yeah, exact
1: okay. number, but there are museums right. which are definitely under the purview of state mu- uh, sorry, state departments. Mm-hmm. And then there are museums um, like Museum, right. of course, Museum Nagar is one of it's it. It's fascinating
2: to it even try to map this out. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah. And you know, that's the interesting thing about museums in Malaysia, especially the ones that we associate with um, state and national identity and histories, Mm. it's very much government departments in themselves. That's Mm. how they are run structurally. Okay, right, right, right.
2: I mean, what is your experience of sort of going to museums? Uh, Hanif, when we were talking earlier, you didn't seem to suggest that this is something that you continue to sort of regularly attend to? Um, Uh,
0: Yeah, I think you're right to a certain extent. I think um, I used to love museums mm -hmm. when I was like little, like when I was like five, six always want to go to you know all the museums around town uh, I, I mean I was from Amnaka like, uh, so okay. mm. so there are a lot of museums there but even then I didn't manage to cover every museum available um, so I, I, I used to have that curiosity but I think as I grew older I stopped you know mm. stop going to museums I, I still have that you know basic curiosity but it's not something that you know I would want to actively pursue right. why, why is
2: that I mean why did you lose that how uh, um, have you lost that interest uh,
0: not too sure. I guess I think because it's pretty much the same, right? I think some of the narratives. I've been to Museum Negara recent, well, as recent as two years ago, <laughs> uh, and and the narrative was uh, as, uh, apart from satisfying that curiosity of seeing what's inside. Uh, I guess what I found out was just things that are that I sort of know. Mm. So and while I I do enjoy seeing all the artifacts and all the things that I I, I find that. Uh, apart from you know seeing those things, I don't have anything else that you know mm-hmm. I can get gather get from there. Mm-hmm. Um, it, does it spark interest in reading a lot more about you know the things that are being displayed there? Maybe, uh, but even then it was a bit of a stretch, I think. But okay. maybe it's also down to my personality, I suppose. I don't know, not too sure. Right, okay. I can't say much about that. Yeah. Mm. But you have a completely different sort of like investment,
2: uh, Kalida, right? Uh, Sorry, what's the question? You have a completely different sort of like investment. You know, I think you you still find museums relevant and interesting on some level? Do you still go to like our um, local museums? Do you find them interesting at all? Uh, what's your experience generally?
1: Well, let me talk about the Malacca museums okay. because. I agree with you, Malacca has so many museums mm-hmm. and the topics are quite compelling. Mm-hmm. You know, when you look at the name of the museums, I think there's like a literature museum, yeah, for that's example. Fine. And
2: there's an architecture museum. Mm-hmm. Aren't they? Yeah. yeah,
1: and um, I went there when I was 15 years old and I really, really enjoyed it then. Mm-hmm. But when I went again about two years ago as well, I was, and this was during my studies as a history student, mm-hmm. you know, I began to become more aware that the museum infrastructure is severely lacking, mm. and content-wise is severely lacking as well. Um, you don't get many artifacts, for example, not even you know the kind of the basics of mm. a museum. A lot of mm. the um, so let me draw attention to one of the uh, one of the main exhibitions, one of the main dip- displays. So that would be the history of the Ma- uh, Malaccan Sultanate, right? Right.
2: Mm. Which museum so, are we talking about? Are we talking about the Istana Museum? No. Um, oh, no. I know
1: this is the main museum in Malacca. What's okay, I, is that in the Stadthouse? House? <laughs> so this is, you know, there's a complex of museums ne- a, across uh, Christchurch. Oh, oh, next uh,
2: to yeah, the st- House? St- 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 not too sure. Yeah, is that the one of museums
0: there? Actually. Yeah,
1: there are a lot. Of museums. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, is it oh, next okay. to the Eiffel Yeah, it's oh, okay. in,
1: Isn't that complex? Okay. So there are like a series of museums there, and this is the one where you would encounter first, which which would show the history of the Malaccan Sultanate.
0: Okay, probably the yeah. palace, I think. Uh, yeah, it
2: sounds like the palace museum. I but I do not. have been to Malacca museums in a long time, so um, yeah.
1: I can't remember the name. So many apologies for that. <laughs> um, so anyway, that would be that narrative, right, about the origins of the Malaccan Sultanate and then the Portuguese came, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, etc. So when you go to that space, um, as recent as um, two thousand fourteen or fifteen, when I went. Um, there went there weren't artifacts. It was just visual representations of what happened.
2: Uh, so, illustrated drawings. Or yes. yes. Commissioned to a graphic designer, for example, to yeah. tell you that story. Okay. Yeah.
1: And it's probably an old commission as well. You know, mm. it's not like, look at this new arch, this new interpretation mm. of the history of the Malacca Sultanate. Which... You know, which is a shame because we do have artifacts, I'm sure. There must be something that we can show to the audience, mm-hmm. you know, interesting sources that we use to construct these narratives. Yeah. But that kind of critical approach to this place, to telling the narratives that build our sense of identity, mm-hmm. um it's not there. Okay. Yeah. Right. You know, that element is missing from our museums, at least our national and state-level museums. So,
2: is the Malacca like Museum under JMM, like in this instance? Because then I could think of, for example, much more independent museum or state-run museums like the Sarawak Museum mm. or Penang Museum, for example, mm-hmm. actually... Having a much more uh, deeper investment Mm -hmm. into, uh, I guess, caring for the sort of like objects that Mm -hmm. they manage to collect. And -hmm. and there's a kind of like pride Mm -hmm. in those institutions. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is the Malacca. I believe it is under the
1: state. It's under
2: the state as well, but it never Mm -hmm. just. It never managed to sort of like acquire that kind of like community, communal sort of like
1: Mm -hmm. uh, ownership. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Okay. And I'm actually glad you mentioned. The words communal and ownership, yeah. because I think part of the problem is because we see heritage as a product of tourism. Right. This is something we market to tourists, mm. you know, and at the same time, it does have that political touchiness about it. Mm. I mean, if, let's say, we run an exhibition with an alternative perspective of looking at the Malaccan history, mm-hmm. for example, and, you know, that gets into the limelight, I'm right. sure there would be people who would capitalize on that, right. you know, to whatever end they want. Mm. So, you know, it, it occupies this strange space of being mm. potentially political. Right. Yeah. But at the same time, people are not invested to yeah. use that to ask critical questions of who yeah. we are.
2: Which is a shame because uh, I had the opportunity to look at the archives of mm-hmm. uh, how they build up the Penang Museum. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyone yeah, had the chance to sort of like go there There's this mm-hmm. entire archive uh, from the 1960s that actually talks about Penang's Museum's history, right? Mm-hmm. And what you get is a sense of sort of like communal pride, right? Different communities would sort of like contribute mm-hmm. uh, objects, heirlooms. And, and this is a museum that was built so late in uh, you know our sort of like mm-hmm. uh, at the very very beginning of our nation sort of like history, mm-hmm. uh, or uh, it, it's not a sort of like old colonial museum, mm-hmm. but the fact that there is so much sort of like investment from different kinds of like stakeholders, mm-hmm. I, I think that also sort of like says how much pride mm-hmm. there is yep. uh, in Penang for the museum, mm-hmm. and similar in Sarawak's case, it's mm-hmm. uh, it's also uh, there's this sort of like sense of investment.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, So because you mentioned pride, I also want to bring us back to something I mentioned about we don't have this critical approach to our history and heritage. The thing about leveraging on pride to explore narratives Mm -hmm. is that pride can sometimes be based on a false sense of specialness, Mm -hmm. not even superiority, but just specialness. And that's why I want to emphasize critical as well. We Mm -hmm. have to be willing to ask ourselves the things that I remember about my people or my, sorry, my community. Um, You know, is this as great as it looks? Mm -hmm. You know, when I say it's great, what do I mean by great? Mm -hmm. You know, whose voices have I silenced Mm -hmm. in order to project my people's image? Um, uh, What kinds of violence have been committed? You know, when... I portray my people as great and, you know, am I acknowledging it or not? Mm. So I think it's, you know, we have to be mindful that ownership is important, Mm -hmm. but it also has to be a critical sense of ownership.
2: In fact, what you've just suggested really came out of a 1970s movement called New Museology Mm. that in recent time has been sort of like given a sort of like almost universal stamp with Mm -hmm. the recent redefinition of the term museum by ICOM, right? which is Mm -hmm. the international sort of like regulation body for museums. Mm -hmm. Am I right? Uh, Do you know much about those current conversations around it and whether you want to sort of expand on that?
1: So what I understand of the debate is that there are two parts Mm -hmm. um, to the definition. So the first part seems quite... um, I'm not sure. Actually, this is the second part. So the second part seems quite... Um, harmless, mm-hmm. you know, it's about whether museums are profit-making or not, and you know, that's that's debatable, of right. course, but that's not the thing that's, you know, generating a lot of debate
2: That's right uh,
1: yeah. The part that's generating a lot of debate is that the definition has proposed that museums are also sites of social justice, mm. that um, it's a side of inclusivity where mm. we explore p- perspectives, and it has a political role, some agency mm-hmm. to address the inequalities um, in the world. So, of course, there's been some issue about that, you know, predictably, because some people feel that oh, museums, you know, should not need to carry that kind of message. Mm. So, um, right. Yeah.
2: Right. What What is your take on things? I mean, do we, do you think museum curators are then forced to design programs that, in some ways, uh, force this message upon the public? Or uh, can we not also think of you know historically? I'm just thinking about historically. You know, the first word uh, that was used to describe what a museum is in our local language is actually the word Ajaykana, right? Uh, so it means like a wonder house. Okay. Uh, mm. Later on, in the fifties, there was a new word that emerged. It's called scholar gamba, mm-hmm. uh, and it had a lot to do with you know certain sort of like pedagogical aims of that period. Before the word museum, then mm-hmm. sort of like to currency became uh, commonly mm-hmm. used. Uh, but I like to even sort of like think of the museum as a sort of like wonder house because then you get reports of you know your local daya community coming and sitting in front of the. Bodhisattva statue that were excavated in the Sarawak sort of like river and they would just sort of like, you know, have a silent sort of like conversation with this newly sort of like excavated artefact. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are different ways in which, uh, you know, the communities belonging to a particular locale are able to interact with the objects in their own ways, using mm-hmm. their own different sort of like, uh, through their own life knowledge system. Mm-hmm. Uh, do we give enough credit to that if we were, you know, to design you know, programs that uh, that maybe f- forces mm-hmm. uh, programming towards a particular sort of, like, political slide? I'm I, so, uh, throwing out, yeah, yeah. being the devil's advocate here. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: so I think what I've spoken about museums so far kind of suggests what I would lean towards. Mm-hmm. But I would challenge your question mm-hmm. um, in the sense that there is no reason to assume that a Wonder House is also not a place, you know, for critical approaches. Of course, yeah. In fact I think, you know, what makes artifacts interesting, what makes history interesting, when you get thrown all these, you know, amazing, diverse mm. objects or images or whatever, is that it gets you thinking. Yeah. And I think, you know, this whole pushback against the element of wonder might be diminished by critical slash mm. potentially political approaches. You know, it assumes that wonder is uncritical. Or it's apolitical. A, or right. apolitical. Yeah. In fact, maybe let's let's try avoiding the use of political because, mm. you know, yeah. it's a term that makes people feel defensive. Right, right. right? Yeah. So let's use critical instead. Right, okay. Yeah. So, you know, I reject the assumption that you know, wonder is uncritical. Mm -hmm. In fact, wonder is often critical because you're asking yourself, what's going on? That in itself You're opening up
0: your mind. Exactly.
1: It's the first step to being critical about certain things.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay, all right. Um, So let's take a break first before we delve deeper into the subject. Uh, You're listening to Night School with me, Hanif Baharuddin and Simon Soon. And this week we're joined by Analyst Khalidah Talib. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, you're in into Night School with me, Hanif Bah-Rudin. I'm joined by Simon Soon and our guest of the week, Khalidah Talib, and we've been talking about museums, the role that museums need to play, right? And I think, um, let's, let's just zoom out the conversation again and let's explore why do you think museums these days are not working apart from, you know, I think you mentioned at the of in the first part, some museums in Malaysia not having enough artifacts is one thing, but I think there are also other things that I think we can think about, right? Maybe, Curatorial role of a museum. You know, how do you curate a museum to be quote unquote relevant or to resonate with audience? Uh, is attendance still a problem? Is that something that we need to think about? Maybe mm-hmm. that's more of a practical problem. Right. That, that that you know that, that which I think we should sort of like mm-hmm. think about. Yeah. I think very important. <laughs> yeah, issues. but the, the 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 function not functional, but the spiritual or the, the philosophical role of a museum needs to also be, be explored further, right, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, apart from artefacts, what else do you think are lacking in Malaysian museums?
2: So uh, it's not as
0: if we are lacking
2: in artefacts. Yeah, we do have artefacts. I came down to artifacts. the storeroom yeah. and it's actually a wonder house. Yeah. It's yeah. an amazing sort of like collection mm-hmm. uh, we have here. So well, uh, how would you sort of like attribute to maybe lack of interest in actually displaying those artefacts and using replicas or representations mm-hmm. to replace uh, mm-hmm. the storytelling.
1: Mm-hmm. So I have to make a caveat that yeah. I am not an industry expert. Right. You know, So I don't want to run my mouth and mm-hmm. make assumptions about mm. the way people are working. But just from the top of my head, I think it's probably, you know, restrictions on what we can do with the artifacts. Mm -hmm. You know, some restrictions are just practical in nature in the sense that these artifacts are too fragile, Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, it's also restrictions like funding because exhibitions are expensive to run. You know, you have to go through a conservation process, a kind of vetting process. Mm -hmm. So it is not easy to have um, exhibitions in the first place. But... One thing which I want to go back to is what I said about how we think heritage and history is a product of tourism. Mm-hmm. So I think that, you know, that immediately blocks out our mind towards looking at these objects as things that can tell us stories. Mm-hmm. Now, I've been saying objects, but I also mean images, right. you know, documents, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think, going back to what I was saying, I think it blocks us from thinking about what can this thing tell me mm-hmm. you know about certain things? How can I use this creatively?
2: Mm-hmm. yeah, but does it also have to do with a particular type of tourism discourse that we have uh, very happily sort of like embraced without much criticality on some level because I imagine tourism, if you uh, to even try to redeem it on any level, uh, you can think of it as a way of communicating stories to mm-hmm. other people. And this is a, a gesture of hospitality and it can mm-hmm. be a very generous sort of like an expanded sort of like way of thinking about, you know, mm-hmm. how to receive guests, right, mm-hmm. from other places, coming from other places. Mm-hmm. but. So much of it is packed to an economic value Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of how much it contributes to the economic growth of the country. Mm -hmm. And in some ways that has put a blinker Mm -hmm. on how we even sort of like think of what is the story that we want to tell.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think there's also this, you know, when we attach it to something like tourism, Mm. it just creates this reaction that I have to tell something hunky-dory, mm,
2: right. you know,
1: or I have, you know, it yeah. doesn't matter what I tell as long as we're multicultural right. or whatever it is that
2: so sheen of, countries right, yeah. want
1: to portray about mm. themselves. So as long as I've done this... Rather than
2: ask the hard and difficult questions. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah. You know, rather than, you know, realizing that this is also a space for people, you know, both tourists... Uh, foreign tourists and local visitors to consider, mm. you know, the country's history, <laughs> you know, so that's another thorny aspect mm-hmm. in terms of our attitude towards museums, and that's why I said just now that on the one hand, it's like, oh, you know, for tourists, but right. at the same time, it does have that potential political right.
2: Um, but you know, I imagine that Malaysia sign on to the ICOM redefinition as well. Yeah. I remember seeing uh, Malaysia being a signatory that supported this mm-hmm. uh, this mm-hmm. uh, redefinition. Yes. So, so. so
1: that's actually interesting because um, what I've read from the news, Berita Haryan to be exact, is that Motec is considering um, having a museum act to define what are museums are. Mm. And the reason. And we never had
2: one. That's surprising. Mm, Yeah. Okay.
1: And, you know, they noted that, yeah, it's actually surprising that we've never had one in the article. (laughs) That's (laughs) odd.
2: Because we have a National Gallery Act, Mm. but we never had a museum act.
1: Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's interesting. (laughs) I mean, it could just be an oversight in some way, you know, something that was deprioritized and then kind of left on the back burner. But anyway, you know, there are reports that they are reviving it. Mm -hmm. And... One of the reasons they're reviving it is in response to the ICOM definition. But, interestingly, it's not about the social justice part. It's about the The, profit-making part. And also kind of to address the proliferation of museums Uh in Malaysia. um, There's some argument that, you know, we can't just have... Any Tom, Dick, and Harry, right, a you know, museum est- establishing a, a museum or establishing something ah, and so then calling a bit of it museum.
2: Sort of like, yeah, uh. and
1: interestingly, it's a gatekeeping of narratives as right. well, mm. because this question was posed in Parliament, mm. and the member who asked it, who is from the opposition side, did mention that I think this is something we should be worried about because we don't know what narratives are out there, right. and because it has the officious title museum, you know, it can be taken as, like, official narrative. But I think, you know, even that perspective...
2: It's a bit dated, no?
1: Yeah. Uh, It doesn't give
2: uh, the audience, it doesn't grant the audience enough agency. Mm
1: -hmm. And I think it underestimates what people think about museums, or, you know, what people who tend to go to museums want out of museums. Mm. It's not necessarily official narratives, it's also perspectives. Mm.
2: Mm-hmm. And that's one that that's a good thing to highlight, right? Is mm-hmm. that when you have more museums, perhaps what you get out of it are uh, more perspectives, yeah. and that mm-hmm. could only enrich us rather than actually sort of confuse us mm-hmm. on some level.
1: Exactly, and you know, I'm I'm of the opinion that some confusion is good. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to accept that knowledge seeking, knowledge building, is meant to confuse you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, not meant to confuse you in the sense that, oh, the instructions of these exam people or whatever is so confusing. You know, that's just bad Mm.
2: management. But an element of uncertainty. Yeah, but, But. you
1: know, going back to that sense of wonder about Mm. the world, like, wow, this world is so crazy. Yeah, and I don't know everything about it. (laughs) There's so many things I don't know and I want to keep on probing. So it's to inspire that curiosity. And I think this links back to what Hanif said earlier. About how when you visited museums, I mean, there's curiosity in the sense that, oh, I didn't know that. But it's not like, "Mm, hmm, you know, like, what, you know, what did I just read? Like, that's interesting. That's actually shed light on another issue that I could read about more. Mm -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm. You know, uh, whenever I sort of like talk about Malaysian history, museums that tell good Malaysian history, I always sort of like point people to Singapore, mm-hmm. where they used to have, uh, the Na- in the National History Museum, an exhibition that allows, that is designed in a way that allows you to explore two paths. Mm-hmm. So how do you tell the National History? And it doesn't happen anymore, unfortunately. They have mm-hmm. changed the museum, uh, mm-hmm. the, the setup. But in the past, what you're able to do is that you're able to choose whether you want to get the colonial perspective, Mm -hmm. or a person or a subject who are living in Singapore under colonial rule. Mm -hmm. And these two paths then sort of like uh, meet at some point and Mm -hmm. then they diverge again and then they meet at some other point. Mm -hmm. And it it forms this very interesting crisscrossing sort of like pattern that allows Mm -hmm. you to explore Mm -hmm. uh, different narratives and different voices Mm -hmm. within the sort of like colonial port city. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was a very brilliant way to think about uh, how you... A stage mm-hmm. a story using a space, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I, I just wish we'd have that kind of like you know, thinking that goes into the yeah. way we even show, show up objects.
1: Yeah. yeah, I actually want to move a little bit beyond talking about just the institutions because like I said, I'm mm. not an industry expert. I mean, mm. cyber you know more than I do, definitely. <laughs> and, you know, I don't want to discredit the people right. who have doing good worked, work. yeah. yeah, you know, who are genuinely passionate but maybe um, blocked by other factors that That's we true. are not aware of. That's true. I also want to talk about the attitude of Malaysians themselves um, towards history. Mm -hmm. You know, we tend to take history as an easy repository of facts Mm -hmm. rather than understanding that it is a very methodology-driven field, a discipline in itself, Mm -hmm. a discipline of asking questions. You know, how do you ask questions? What are the questions that you can ask to get more information? Mm -hmm. What What are the different answers that's, that you yeah. can get by asking different questions. And what think, are the
2: types of sources that you can sort of like exactly. use to marshal evidence? Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I
1: think, you know, the Malaysian attitude is still very much history is what happened in the past mm. and that's it. You know, mm-hmm. it's not a tool of refining the way we look at the world, the way we look at ourselves. It's not a way of asking ourselves, what do I want to carry into the future? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and. You know that's why I hate that saying so much. Oh, if you forget the past, you will repeat in the present. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I hate that phrase because that once upon a time that may have been the value of history right. of learning history to different people. Um, you know this is a different topic altogether. That's yeah. quite complex in its history. But you know, let's yeah, go with I think that. It's related. Yeah, yeah, let's right. go with that thread that uh-huh. people tend to think that oh. The past is to understand the present. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, with the methodology refined and evolved, you know, it's now a way of asking ourselves, now that I know like certain things can happen when certain factors are in place, what do I want to carry into the future? Mm -hmm. So one example I quoted earlier in the session is, you know, this idea of greatness. Mm. You know, when I talk about I want my country to be great again, yeah. you know, the the lovely catchphrase. Right. I, I love it. Yeah. No, not the sentiment behind it. Oh, my God, <laughs> I have to distance myself from that. Um, yeah, but, you know, it's, it's so catchy, right? Right, right. So, you know, the question that I ask myself then, well, is this the kind of greatness that I want to carry into the future? Mm. You know, this greatness that is built on... Something like exploitation, for example, oh. slavery or violence or whatever. Is this the same type of thing that I want to continue carrying into the future? Mm-hmm. You know, isn't this our, our chance to redefine greatness? Right. You know, when I look at... So recently I was involved... How do you
2: convince people oh. who actually <laughs> would say yes... <laughs> <Sorry>? <laughs> would say uh, uh, that is how they want to define greatness.
1: <laughs> so uh,
2: Because I can imagine so many people uh, informed by certain political sort of white leanings mm-hmm. would find that is actually a very appealing mm-hmm. uh, position to be in. So, uh, even
1: after they consider the cost. The, the,
2: the subjugation, the, mm-hmm. the, 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 the cost, uh, the hierarchy, the social yeah. hierarchy, and the, all the sort of like implications that yeah. sort of like is built into yeah. uh, so this, this is, ideological.
1: Position. This is where I tend to disappoint people when they ask me about, you know, because I've been asked questions like that, oh, what should we do? And, and, and to me, is that our, our role is to just present the options. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, our role is to. Clarify false narratives to Mm -hmm. generate scholarship that, uh, you know, on the academic side is to generate scholarship that can clarify false narratives Mm -hmm. to further test beliefs and hypotheses. But at the end of the day, you know, people have to make their own choices. And, you know, that's that's where um, think tanks and politicians would come in, you know, because they have to be able to use this information and convince people to move in certain directions Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's the role of
2: an academic. Yeah, right? like, exactly. yeah. If
1: you want to think in terms of fixed definitions of mm-hmm. historians, academics, yeah. whatever, I don't think that is the role of the historian academics. We're mm-hmm. just here to do the research. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not here to convince you otherwise. Mm-hmm. If you've you know, if you've willfully listened to people who misrepresented the facts when you know other perspectives are out there that have convincingly challenged this perspective, that's your choice. Mm-hmm. And
2: what do you think the role of a curator is in this context? And um, the historian plays the role of the researcher and the, the one who sort of like offers different possibilities. Mm-hmm. And is the curator also a researcher in that sense of the term or do they or is see a platform builder does he does he create platforms that enable conversation to take place mm-hmm. What well, what role does so my ideal in? my
1: my ideal view of the curator is that they are a platform builder mm-hmm. you know they can show people what's been said and they can also test audiences mm. all right so these are arguments around it the scholarship around it what if i put these two different objects um, together, mm. you know, how does that challenge the scholarship itself? Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think curators have that role to present to challenge, yeah. but again, you know, the agency of decision rests with people. And you know, it may sound like a disappointing answer, but that's mm. one thing I want to stress as mm-hmm. well. We can't keep on talking over people. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, we we can't keep on saying, "Oh, we must do this. The education system must do this. Right, People right. have to take responsibility for the choices that they make. Mm. You know, for the information that they don't seek, for the information that they do seek."
2: Mm-hmm, yeah, I mean, so much of our policy making is prescriptive, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there is a, an ideal way in which you sort of like uh, would proceed uh, to do something. You do something. There's an ideal way to sort of like do something, or uh, but you're almost suggesting that as a policymaker. There is, it calls for a redefinition of what policy can be as well on some level.
1: I'm not gonna answer that question okay. because the honest answer is I haven't thought through it yet. Okay. Yeah, I mean I have some sense of where I may lean, and I do have certain values that I hold on to, especially when I think of policy. Mm-hmm. But you know I'm not gonna pretend that I have okay. the answer to that. And you know that is mm-hmm. a journey for all of us. Yeah. you know we 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 cannot think that questions are bad. Mm -hmm. You know, questions are good. I mean, there are good and bad questions. Mm -hmm. You know, there are questions that lead you to dead ends, you know, lead you to, you know, wrong perspectives or unhelpful. Let's not say wrong, unhelpful Mm -hmm. perspectives, perspectives that don't help you solve the issue at hand. Mm -hmm. You know, but we have to practice asking Mm -hmm. these questions. We have to practice by looking at the way we can ask questions mm-hmm. and you know that goes back to what I said just now about different way of questioning can give you different answers. Mm-hmm. And history as a discipline kinda teaches you that. You mm-hmm. know, if I wanna prove an argument about challenging a narrative, yeah. you you know, what when narrative can pressing. I say Based on this one source, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what if I use the different source? Yes, uh, yeah.
2: Or do you corrob-
0: corroborate your sources and <laughs> mm-hmm. things like that? Right. Yeah. Bringing back the conversation to a museum, I, I just want to ask you about how uh, a museum can still play that role in maybe raising questions and you know presenting facts, you know presenting different narratives in this day and age where there are a lot of distractions out there, right? Uh, yeah, EDMs, competing media, competing mediums, and you know competing alternative approaches to, you know, thinking about these things as well, right? Mm-hmm. So, how can museum, uh, you could argue, as an institution is slightly traditional, you know, compete with all these different, you know, mediums out there?
1: Mediums such as... Such as, I um, mean,
0: you, well, you have you have the traditional distractions, mm-hmm. you know, television, blah, 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 but you also have, you yeah, know... The, um, internet the internet. The like internet, and anything. also, you know, organisations, you know, bodies like MDAs and things like that, right? Mm-hmm. So, how do you, yeah, how do you get people to still be interested to go to a museum and, and learn about these things when they can get, you know, their, their fix elsewhere, you know? Internet, you know, so study groups, I, yeah. things like that. yeah mm-hmm. So so why still go to a museum when you can go elsewhere?
1: So I don't see museums as in opposition to all this other media that you mentioned. Mm. It's just that it's a physical site, mm-hmm. you know? And, you know, despite its physical shape, you know, it is still a source of information. And like mm-hmm. any source of information you have to make yourself interesting now when i say interesting i don't necessarily mean popular like you know you dump down your content and all that mm-hmm. but you have to be able to offer new experiences you know so for something that's on instagram for example right. you know you can still get instagram fatigue even though that's you know nice. instagram is such a common source of um, media consumption right, right. Yeah. So different accounts would have mm. to be able to have interesting content and they do it in That's various right. ways. And I think yeah. the
2: museum has a particular value in actually being a storehouse of actual physical artifacts. Mm-hmm. Uh? Uh, there are very little institutions mm-hmm. with this kind of mandate mm-hmm. and the idea that uh, by engaging intensely with the physical artifact itself mm-hmm. and what it's able to sort of like teach you, mm-hmm. when you're having this sort of like one-on-one interaction with the object, mm-hmm. uh, is it, something that we forgot mm-hmm. that there is a true value in that. that mm-hmm. the, uh, the making of certain things comes with a lot of thinking. Yeah. Uh, uh, thinking just doesn't happen cerebrally. Yeah. Uh, I think the museum reinforces that and sort yeah. of like shows us that other ways. And way there are many things that, only. you know,
1: the traditional strategies yeah. that museums can use to, you know, remain interesting. I mean, object handling sessions are mm. always interesting. And they're always you know. engaging. Mm. Yeah,
0: yeah, because,
1: um, you know, you get a chance to handle the objects. You can have family friendly mm. days, you know, which is what museums like IMM and I'm sure Museum mm. Nagara does as well. You can have events. You know, you can have themed nights.
2: Mm. And these are
1: all traditional approaches. Yeah. And people are, you know, people do want to go out. People still want to walk around and do stuff.
2: Like th- whenever they organize like a sleepover, mm-hmm. in, uh, it's popular. Yeah. Yeah, it's That's highly great. very. It's highly popular when mm. they sort of like do that, especially with school kids. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. It's just that museum staff would have to work extra harder to ensure that, <laughs> you know, the the artifacts are not disturbed. You know, there yeah. are appropriate measures in in place. Mm. Uh, you know, to ensure that the artifacts are safe or the spaces are not you know, vandalized or whatever. Mm. So, yeah, I don't. You know, I don't see it as a problem that museums have to compete with social media or internet or whatever mm-hmm. you know they have to attract their audiences and i actually do have some data i mean if we look at the data on the contribution of cultural heritage mm-hmm. to the tourism industry countries like the uk you know they have a very high contribution mm-hmm. uh, even Singapore, and I actually like to use Singapore as an example because when people look at UK, look at China, yeah. they think, oh my God, you know, China is like an ancient civilization. Yeah, right. You know, they have all these years of and centuries, millennia of history behind them. But if we go back to Singapore, um, if history is quantifiable, so, yeah. they have the same amount of history <laughs> <Right>. as we <laughs> do. And yet they still are able to generate a lot of economic value. Now, the reason I'm talking about dollars and cents mm-hmm. is not because like, oh, you can put a value on heritage or whatever, things mm-hmm. like that. What it does show is that people are willing to pay for, to consume heritage. Mm-hmm. You know, people are willing to pay to go to museums, mm-hmm. to pay for exhibitions. And why do they pay? They pay because there are interesting things to do.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, I'm sure the National Museum of Singapore doesn't have the same prestige of British Museum, right? Or even but the oh National God, Ga- they yeah. tell
2: good stories.
1: Yeah, National Gallery of Singapore, yeah. which makes the most money based on their two thousand eighteen cultural oh, really? statistics. Okay. Yeah, ah. you know these are not world famous institutions. Mm. I mean, they are famous, but if you compare to the prestige of the British Museum, or you know the, the Forbidden Palace in China, you know it's still quite a small fry, right? Mm -hmm, Relatively. mm -hmm. I don't want to offend Singaporeans. I'm sorry.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'm sure they're aware. People are still going. They are going.
1: Right? And the curators, you know, play around with what they have at hand. You know, there's that courage, you know, they're not...
2: Creativity. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Yeah, they take risk and people go for that. Mm. You know, so people are interested Mm -hmm. in histories, you know, in objects. I think so. So uh. it's just a matter of kind of leveraging on that already present interest. Mm-hmm. You can't sustain that attention and people will just go or people mm-hmm. will... Right. I mean, look at Museum Nagara. People are not going. Mm-hmm. You know, locals are not going. Is it mm-hmm.
2: quiet on a sort of like normal day? <laughs> I, haven't, I have to admit <laughs> I haven't been there in a while.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: but uh, have you oh, it, visited it, Museum Nagara recently? It
1: does get busy. Okay. But, you know, busy is a... It's kind of a perception play right. as well, isn't it? If the space is small, it can look busy. And, you know, when I look at the numbers, when I compare the numbers of the number of visitors that Museum Nagara gets against, you know, foreign worries, right. you know, just to have a sense of how much are we tapping into that market, mm-hmm. we're only at like 4%. Oh, uh, far Uh Sorry. So the total number of visitors in Museum Nagara uh-huh. is about 4% of the total number of oh. foreign arrivals oh, wow. into the country. And that's if we look minuscule. at um, Singapore, it's like 11%, okay. 14%. Right. Yeah, that range. But, you know,
2: right. that's yeah, yeah. that's still
1: quite a big gap. Yeah, that's yeah. a huge gap. Actually. Yeah, so there is potential. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's very hard to find a local Malaysian who has said, I go every weekend mm. or I go... Regularly, you know, yeah. once a month or every time there's a new exhibition or any time I'm bored and you know want to kind of get my mind moving around again, yeah. you know, unless it's volunteers mm, or you know people true. who work there, right, mm, right, I think right. it's quite difficult. Yeah. Again, you know, I, you know, I have to admit that you know I don't have data to back this up, mm-hmm. so I'm I'm sorry, no, no, you it's know, uh, if, it's, if it's a bit that, ignorant for yeah. me to say that, yeah. but there is a sense amongst the locals that I speak to that Museum Nagara is a nice, pleasant place but Mm. it's not an exciting place. I haven't been there in like two years or things like that, you know.
0: Um, Yeah, so we have to wrap things up very soon. Um, Before we go, do you have any last thoughts about our topic today?
1: Mm. So actually what I didn't manage to talk about but I hinted at at the beginning is that museums are educational institutions Mm -hmm. not just for the audience for the people in there, mm-hmm. you know, these are sites of research. The archives are sites of research. Mm-hmm. They have material to be researched on, so you know, I think it shouldn't be placed in more tech, you know, because that presents museums as a tourist consumption, a leisurely activity when mm-hmm. it's actually an intellectual activity mm-hmm. I would actually like to propose maybe one day I have to test the argument first right. and you know do my masters or whatever okay.
2: <laughs> oh yeah sure that you know but maybe
1: it should be moved to some education ministry because mm-hmm. if we compare to like
2: Actually, interesting enough, Indonesia is trying to remove culture from education because they face similar problems in terms of how overburdened mm. uh, when a minister holds both portfolios. So it yeah. be sort of yeah. like interesting to sort of like you know think this yeah. in relation to Indonesia. And
1: that you know that actually brings you know to the conversation another problem: the burdens mm. on our education already. You mm. know it already has such. A mandate. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> Tell us about. It. Yeah, <laughs> you, and you know, to move something as massive as a, as museums to it and give it this educational mandate you know well, we it, might it have can to backfire b- yeah, we might, might
2: backfire. have to bring you back again
1: after my masters thank you
2: inshallah
0: okay okay thank you very much uh, Kalida you just heard from uh, Kalida Talib and she's joined by Simon Soon and we've been talking about the role of museums uh, share your thoughts with us by tweeting us at BFM Radio you can send us an email to nightschool at bfm.my you can also follow us on Facebook look for BFM Night School there don't forget to also download the BFM app which you can get on the Apple App Store and Google Play uh, thanks once again Khalidah Lib and Simonson I'm Thank Hanif Baharuddin, and you've been listening to Night School on BFM 89.9 The Business Station Thank you for listening to this podcast To find more great interviews go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes BFM 89.9 The Business Station